gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome back. It's the Cincy Brewcast. I'm the Gnarly Gnome, and it's a, as you said, it's a good day to drink a beer. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome back to the show. Um, before we dive into things, um, I, as a reminder, this show is brought to you by drinkers like you. If you want to know more about how you can support the show and how you can keep um, keep the lights on, quote unquote, uh, you can go to thegnarlygnome.com slash support, and um, I promise you that um, everything that people give makes a huge, huge, huge difference in all of this. So um, if you already support, thank you. If you want to, thank you. Um, welcome. We are we we're at Humble Monk finally. I've been uh, trying to figure out a way to make this show happen for uh, well about a year now. Absolutely. <laughs> when was the uh, the actual opening date? Do uh, we have do we know an actual date? Because <clears throat> I think in my notes it's just January. Yeah, we we actually did a soft launch, um, thinking that we would have a few folks wandering in and out, and. Um, Ran out of all the beer we brewed in a weekend. Um, I've heard that story from other places, too. And, and, uh, yeah, we had to shut down. But, uh, you know, we're using January 31st as our actual anniversary date. So you guys are getting right up there on a year if, if you haven't technically hit it already, but exactly. Uh, congratulations. And yeah, thank uh, you. Um, we need to, there's, there's a whole big story of what this place is and what it's all about that we have to tell them. Um, these first episodes where we get to sit down with somebody for the first time are always fun ones, but, um, there is something else very important that we always do on this show and that's drink beer because, um, it's it's beer podcast. Why else would you do a beer podcast if you can't drink beer? Well, uh, we call that segment from the beer fridge. Even though we're not getting beer out of a beer fridge, at one time we used to do what we do again. But um, a lot of shows from in studio, and we had a beer fridge, and that's where we were pulling bottles and stuff and sharing them. So, well, there you go. From the beer taps, I guess this week. Um, so uh, let's start there. Let's dive into a beer, and then we'll kind of work our way through the uh, the story of, of Humble Monk and how you guys got here. Absolutely. You want to you want to try the one that I uh, kind of strong armed you? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. This is a a uh, what we call the our Pater beer, kind of a Belgian single. Delicate hop flavor throughout. It does have a nice hoppiness to it, though, too. Yes. You said that's uh, Saz hops? Saz hops. You get that good floral, um, that floral hoppiness, but that's still that good little bite to it that uh, very reminiscent of, of, a, uh, of a Pilsner, some kind of lighter but hoppier kind of um, brew. Yep. As we, as we uh, after a long brew day, we call this our work water. It's kind of my go-to, and um, um, I've had a few uh, guest brewers in here helping, and um they, they tend to gravitate towards this as well. Right. So, what does Pater beer mean? Um, father, is, it's Flemish for father. Okay. Um, as you were pointing out, it, it technically was back in the day was the leftovers the monks would use out of the mash time and create a beer. Um, and like I told you, we we just went ahead and you know instead of making a party guile beer, we just went ahead and created this beer. To duplicate so, that, so party guy, we've we've probably talked about it on the show at some point. Um, I don't know what episode it would have been, but um, you, you make a beer, usually a bigger beer, and then after you're all finished and uh, the, your grain bed is still sitting there, you can run more water through it, get more of that sugar out of it, and then run a whole second beer out of it, basically. Exactly, and you know, it was a, <coughs> this was the frugal monk beer, if you will, the the leftovers, right. you know, the, the the humble beer, if you will. <laughs> Um, it's fantastic. I enjoy this. I I tend to gravitate, especially lately, I don't know, towards a little bit lighter beers, 
but with a little bit of that that kind of snap to them, be it something that's a little tart or something that's a little bit uh, hoppy, this something light with a little bit of a snap to it, I guess, is, uh, is kind of where I've been uh, gravitating lately. I don't, I don't know if that's a, a, a thing that is going to stick for a long time or what, but it's definitely been my go-tos. And um, this is great. This is really, really refreshing, really great beer for the first one after a long day at work. That's Absolutely. Sure. <laughs> yeah, we're just getting warmed up. <laughs> uh, so if, if you had to say a beer was kind of your flagship idea of what this is, this place is about, is it something like this or is it something that is a little more, uh, more kind of in your face Belgian? Well, I, I think, um, and I'll kind of answer this or kind of around the, uh, the mountain here, mm-hmm. uh, we're Belgian forward, and we want to explore all kinds of Belgian styles, but also have other things on tap, especially in the tap room, for folks that might want a hoppier beer. Um, but um, in your face, yeah, I would say this is one of them. But as I don't know if you noticed on our on our. Uh, uh, be- listed beers in the tap room. We have a single, a double, and a triple on. And, uh, you know, again, it's kind of... Gives you the full gamut. Right. Of- <laughs> I-, I think I've been to a gnarly gnome uh, historical uh, talk where someone asked you, what's your favorite beer? And he said, well, it's all the, the kind of... It depends on my mood. Right. Okay? And same thing here. We've got all... You know, we've got... We've got eight samples in front of us, by the way, folks. And um, uh, there's all kinds of moods here. Um, and and we're, we're trying to hit on that for the customer as well as kind of stay true to Belgian forward styles. We're always going to have those on tap and hopefully get them out in the community here and, and sell them to restaurants and bars as well in the, in the near future. Right. Did I answer that? You did. You okay. did. You, like you said, you went around <laughs> and got there. <laughs> um, uh, let's talk about kind of the story of, of Humble Monk, how you guys got here. I think, um, well, we can start with, uh, I think, when people started hearing about you guys, right. you had a different name. We did. We, we, we were Rabbit Hash Brewery. Um, um, the internet didn't like that very much. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, we were, uh, you know. Not born and raised in Kentucky, but right. raised the family in Kentucky. Uh, uh, when my uh, when my wife immigrated to the states, uh, that's where she was uh, raised, and ultimately we ended up in Boone County. Uh, we thought we'd give a nod to the community. It it all happened prior to you know we incorporated. It all happened prior to the uh, general store right. burning down. But I don't know. Someone kind of got a twist that we were trying to appropriate. You know, a mishap in Rabbit Hash to get notoriety, uh, and I and I just told my son. I said, "Listen, we haven't brewed a drop of beer commercially. You know, if they don't like the name, let's have them name it." Right. And um, that we ended up crowdsourcing our name with a contest on Facebook, and uh, it kind of blew up from there. I mean, we had maybe a hundred people looking at our Facebook page to. It turned out to almost forty thousand plus in a week. Right. Um, it um, it was a lot of fun, uh, and um, 
we, we like the name. We, we are always going to do Belgian-style beers. It's just, uh, it, it really segued into what we were doing, it, it and makes, it's good branding. It makes more sense. Absolutely. It, you know, I when I when I look at the taproom, and I guess we can kind of explain kind of what the, the feel of the taproom is, too. Um, there's a lot of a lot of rustic kind of vibes to it. There's um, a lot of repurposing of things. Um I could have seen this kind of take more of that rabbit hash kind of uh, idea and run with that, but I think the the beer lends itself more towards the idea of humble monk. The the, the church pews that are scattered around are perfect for humble monk. Sure. Like it's just there's lots of little touches now that I look at and I go, well, with this, if you just slapped rabbit hash on on, on the name here. It, it wouldn't work nearly as good as Humble Monk does. And that, sure. Maybe some of this would look a little different if it was still Rabbit Hash. But. Yeah, we're, we're staring at a, the back of a 150-year-old uh, pocket door from First Lutheran and over the Rhine. Right. Yeah, that door was sitting in their boiler room, and we had some friends that go to church there, and they said, come and get this door, come and get this door. And uh, as basically as the story goes, we uh, uh, they kind of bugged me and bugged me, and finally I, we went over there and got it. Right. And... What we're looking at is what I saw in a picture, and we turned it around. And you, of course, you saw the panels, uh, and all we did with that is kind of give it a little TLC, and um, it became the kind of the centerpiece for this little room we're sitting in the back of, because this was supposed to be just drywall with a double Dutch door, and, right. and so we designed it over that. It was a lot of fun, and um, it's been it's been a lot of challenges, but still, it's it's uh, it's been an amazing journey for the last year. Well, and it's it you know. Kind of the, the you talked about challenges, you know, piecing this together. You guys um, are not one of those heavily funded um, breweries that we see pop up from from time to time around right. town. Um, this is this is done on the backs of you guys and and you know some other um, investment. But um, I think that that enables a place to kind of develop their story a little bit heavier over time instead of having to, before you even dive into construction, knowing exactly what this place is, what it's about, how you communicate that to the customer. And there's there's a lot of time that has to go into that before you open your doors. Whereas a process like this and kind of it, it enables it to breathe a little bit and kind of become who the brewery is and um you guys have you guys have done a great job of doing that well well thank you yeah we're uh we're we're hoping this quarter to be scaled up to a 10 barrel brew house um we're still running off our little two barrel pilot system that we right put together almost as an afterthought but um it's really allowed us to explore a lot of different beer formulas styles and take a lot of risk that you wouldn't be able to take on a 10 barrel a 30 barrel system (coughs) um Let's uh, let's dive into another beer. Sure. What is uh, what is this number eight here? Number I think I'm drinking these in order, the order I'm supposed oh, to. Oh well, number eight, number eight it, um, is a malt seltzer. I was going to say this looks extremely light. <laughs> it isn't my cup of tea, but again, you know, um, sometimes. You know, if a customer needs a green suit, you turn on a green light. <laughs> this happens to have a green hue to it, it as does well. Have a little bit. It, it is actually a. Uh, um, a hard malt seltzer, green apple cinnamon. Okay. So, um, so taking it a little different, a uh, little different road than a lot of the other seltzers. That kind of that that middle ground cider seltzer kind of thing that uh, some drinkers are, are definitely looking for right now. Absolutely. I have to warn you. I've been uh, I've been a little rough on seltzers in the last uh, couple months on the show. <laughs> I do enjoy that. 
um, it's not uh, so when you when you say um, green apple, you you anticipate really over the top green apple flavor, and you don't get that here. It's it's definitely there, but it's almost like a more like warm kind of um, green apple kind of thing in the in the background almost. Absolutely, um, this is actually more cocktail like than it is like a. Like I said, like a cider. That's that's where when when you describe it, that's where my head goes. It's like a cider, and this is definitely more more kind of like a cocktail kind of um, flavor profile. It, it it's enjoyable. Uh, it the the actual base uh, um, malt seltzer it, it it lends itself to almost like cider notes. Right. Um, we were pretty amazed with with it when we kind of concocted this thing. And um, is it my go to? Absolutely not. <laughs> I like craft beer, but. <clears throat> We get, you know, again, we get some customers in here that uh, are tagging along with their craft beer uh, friends. Right. And um, this lends itself to giving them something a little bit uh, lighter, um, a little bit different. Um, I'd be curious to try it over ice, you know, something like that and kind of make it into more of a more of a cocktail kind of um, presentation. This is. It's good. It's definitely definitely not uh, going to ever be my first pick when I walk up to a tap line. But it, it, it isn't mine, but uh, you I know, do enjoy it. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's a little. It, it's above average. I I think for. Um, There's a lot of um, a lot of seltzers too that are trying to hide. They're trying to be as neutral as they can possibly be and kind of get rid of all of that other character that um, fermentation can bring. And this doesn't do that. It it kind of. It, it owns up to the fact that it's a it's a malt seltzer. You still get that malt character to it. You still get some of those other esters kind of going on from the from the green apple and the cinnamon sure. and that kind of stuff. And the, it uh, it owns it and it, it rolls with it and it's 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 pretty good. It it's um we like to advertise our beers like you know if it's going to have it in there you got to find it. You, you you don't have to be a super palate to taste it. Not not that we're saying we want our beers to be over the top. In fact. Um, other than the next beer we're going to drink, uh, when we do our Belgians, I, I tend to lock the spice cabinet. Right. We do it with malt. We do it with hop, you know, with hops. We do it with our yeast. We do it with temperature. Um, not to say that, you know, coriander and everything else under the sun that, you know, a lot of American craft brewers use to make a Belgian style of beer can't be used. I'm, I just like to approach it in a simplistic way, so you know we can have fun with that Belgian style starting out. Right. Uh, well, let's let's go ahead and go into the next one. Here. All right. Uh, number two is our Belgian double. A uh, little bit on the darker side, and this does have adjuncts in it. I'm not going to tell you what they are until you <laughs> taste it. I get a lot of that, uh, that, well, not a lot, but I get, I get that dark fruit kind of character to mm-hmm. it. You know, it's, um, really, uh, it's a, it's definitely heartier, more warming, more, uh, more, more full, especially coming off of drinking uh, a seltzer. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, this is enjoyable. It's still, so on the show, I think I've, I can probably, you can pull up a lot of quotes of me saying that I do not like Belgian beer. And what I've, what I think I've figured out over the last year or so is that that's not really what it is, but there, there's definitely a lot of Belgian beers that, um, the, uh, 
that that yeast profile is just over the top. That's that's all that you get, and um, I think that's the thing that I kind of shy away from is the over the top yeast profile. Yeah, whereas they, this is still a it, there's still a beer here. There's still a good body to it and a good a, a good malt flavor going on. It's 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 good. I like it. Yeah, and uh, should I give up the adjunct? You should give up the adjuncts. Okay. <laughs> Only one. Okay. Um, raisins. The, the dark fruit, yep. I guess. Yeah, you, uh, nailed it on the, um, you nailed it on the head there. It's uh, it's it's really enjoyable, especially you know it's it's a little chilly outside today. Absolutely, this is one of those beers that uh, that that fits kind of that uh, that cold weather drinking. Um, <laughs> uh, what what's the uh, ABV on this one? ABV on this one is seven, I think seven point so two. Good, solid, but not uh, but not over the top to where uh, uh, one and done kind of thing. It can right seven sessionable ish, <laughs> <laughs> especially we, if it's cold out. I think. Right <laughs> We've said that anything can be sessionable if you put your mind to it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, talk about your your kind of history with brewing. How did you how did you start brewing? Um, where was that point that you felt like you know what I can I can take this to the next kind of step? Well, it started out like a lot of folks in Cincinnati and and elsewhere started in the garage. Um, and, and truth be known, I started brewing before I was allowed to consume alcohol, but, right. um, we won't talk about those days. There's a, there's a few of us that did that. <laughs> you know, you, you know, those were, those were, those, I guess they were beer. I mean, you close your eyes, plug your nose and, you know, hope for something other than you weren't shooting for flavor at that point. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, I kind of evolved. Uh, I, I had the, uh, I had the benefit of a brother-in-law who was a microbiologist, PhD student, and um, happened to uh, happened to be at Indiana University where I went at the same time, working as PhD. So um, I had a guy that propagated yeast for me in college, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. Um, <clears throat> you know, still going in and out of uh, five-gallon pails, and and you know, graduating to glass carboys. Uh, um, and on and off for several years. Uh, was it still? Was it still kind of a focus on Belgian styles? There was it. Uh, was that kind of what got you started into it, or did that kind of develop over time and kind of? It, it kind of developed over time. I still have an affinity for German style beers. I mean, you know, they're just they're wonderful. Who <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the you know German style beers. They I always say Germans do a lot with very little, and they and they make beautiful beers. And uh, um, if I had a lot of real estate and a lot of lagering tanks, I would be doing that too. But you know, well, who knows? We may right. we may get we may get to a few of those. Um, you, guys, you guys do have um, quite a bit of space here. That you have um, that you can uh, use absolutely once, once everything gets up and running. Absolutely. Um, when you come into the tap room, you're not seeing the actual brewery side of things which is the side over here right absolutely and I, I don't know kind of the rest of the building how all that is is laid out and how that works but even just that space that you can see if you walk in that back door there is is a good size space <laughs> yeah it's uh, ten thousand square feet it enables um quite a bit of growth um especially depending on what this is going to look like over time and how big and how much uh sending beer out to other people you plan on versus well we wanted room to gallop um you know we're 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 approaching we're coming to the market a little bit late in the game because you know you know we aren't we're we're self-financed um 
we you know we bootstrap a lot of things we know how to weld so those those some of those tanks out there the 30 barrel fermenters those are repurposed food grade tanks uh the smaller the smaller ones out there we built from the ground up um but uh we're, we're pretty excited about our abilities. You know, I came, my background, kind of getting back to your original question, came from the uh, renewable fuels business. We used to manufacture biodiesel in my other life. Right. Um, sold all that off. Um, and, uh, you know, decided to... Sold all of it except for some of the tanks. Uh, no, well, we don't want those. Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't want to put, we don't want to put beer in those tanks. Oh, but, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, um, I do have one tank back there <laughs> from the biodiesel plant, but that was a wastewater tank. Right. So we're, we're hoping to capture our wastewater, make sure it's good before it goes down the drain. Um, you know, we, we went through all the environmental issues, you know, and, and having that industrial background. So hopefully we, we can we can put uh, decent wastewater down, give it to the city and let them do their thing with it. Right. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we've gone around and we've, we've procured... Uh, some food grade tanks uh, that we can brew beer in. Um, you know, uh, it. Uh, some people will call us when we're up and running. Probably will refer to us as a Franken brewery, which is okay. <laughs> well, at one time, you know, that was the norm in craft beer. That was the way a lot of the the biggest breweries you see today. That's the way they got started. Um, was kind of that same, you know, be it dairy tanks or whatever sure. it was that they were getting their hands on. Um, and you don't see it as much now. You, you see people coming into it from a different perspective, for good or for bad. And um, I think that there is still a lot of value in um, having the different ends of what it means to start a brewery, be it somebody that comes in super funded and opens in a really fancy uh, church or something and dumps millions of dollars into renovating it. And like, that's, that's great, and I love it. Um, but then there's something that is also... Uh, there's something that's refreshing and, uh, and, and, and feels good about a place like this or um, Fibonacci or whoever it may be that opens in a very different way. And uh, it's, you need all those ends of things to, to kind of make a healthy beer community, in my opinion. Absolutely. And, and uh, although we don't want to struggle forever, we do enjoy the struggle. Right. And, you know, it, it takes a certain stubborn individual to keep cranking away at this. And um, uh, we, we hope to have everything finished up here. <coughs> Um, you know, this first quarter of this year, at least uh, manufacturing some 10 barrel batches. Right. Finally, finally getting a, a little bit of uh, a little bit of elbow room in your in your brew days. Right. And, and, and because we build everything else, um, you know, a lot of the, the breweries that uh, um, have been helping us. Uh, we've gotten help from everybody from Orion Guys to Brink on, you know, design. Uh, Ryan Guys has helped us with some ingredients from time to time. Uh but uh, one of the things that I, I, you know, I came from a very competitive industry, and to have that that uh, cooperation, if you will, uh, from your your friendly competitor, it's something I had to get used to. Right. It, it, it really. I. I. I, I get, what a little is, bit of distrust when they call right, you. So what, what, why? Yeah. What does that guy want? <laughs> why does that guy want that? But uh, yes, uh, it's it's incredibly refreshing, um, and um, you know the Cincinnati. <coughs> Craft beer scene is uh, as is you know one of the best in the United States. It's it's constantly growing, constantly constantly evolving, and I think it's it's hard sometimes to um, to remind yourself how 
coming from a drinker's perspective, it's hard to remind yourself that how cooperative it really is and how how real some of those things are. You, you know, it, it, sometimes it seems like it's just marketing fluff from people you kind know, of say, oh, no, we're, we're all a family. And, and it, it is a real thing that's happening here. And it's it's the longer we can keep that tight knit kind of thing, the better off. You know, you go to be at Asheville or wherever it is, you know, you hear a lot of that community talk and a lot of the uh, the cooperative side of things. And I think it's I think it's uh, integral to make a, a good, healthy scene is to have that exist as long as possible within that. Absolutely. It's, it's alive and well because we, we get beer tourists in here and I mean folks from out of town and they've been referred to us by another brewery and we, we try to do the same. Uh, well, we're, we're their tour guides when they come in here to, right. and they're, they're, they're running a, you know, they're, they're going through the samples or having a pint, you know, uh, you know, a lot of times we'll ask, where are you going next? Uh, I don't know. What do you suggest? And we'll make suggestions. Um, you know, just where we're sitting here, I think there's probably what, 10 breweries within 12 minutes of us. Oh uh, yeah. Easily. So, yeah. Well, easily. Once I start to really think about it and you can go <laughs> the other, I'm thinking all you know, the, 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 the North side of my, well, no, there's, you know, if you, if you head back down South, there's, there's a lot right there. Absolutely. Um, even, you know, you look at, we mentioned how, you know, things are growing. Um, just a little bit of trivia. How many breweries do you think have opened since you guys opened your doors? Wow, I and don't... breweries. I'm going to throw into their places that have brewing licenses. So we'll say oh. um, platform and uh, and Brewdog are in that equation. Even though I do not really count them as breweries, but well, I guess twelve, uh, ten. You oh. are you are you're pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty wild. Um, it's you know, we when when we look at what's happening in Cincinnati, you know, we look back at years, you know, like uh, when when Madry and Ryan guys opening you know, in 2013, 2014, those years there was these big kind of explosions of breweries, and it's hard to it's hard to re- remind yourself sometimes that that is still kind of the growth. That's still the amount of breweries that are opening every single year we're getting more and more and more it's it's crazy to watch it happen and uh, um, to watch how everybody kind of finds their little place in all of that let's drink another beer you ready yes number seven seven on the tap list uh is our uh tempest is what we call it um it is a noel saison it's going to be less peppery more malty um a noel saison what, what what does that mean okay well yeah for all those that don't speak French, saison means seasonal, um, and there are more than one type of saisons out there. Um, this is a winter saison, uh, typically darker, maltier, um, more on the ester side. You're going to get some fruit notes on the finish. Um, it was one of the first saisons I ever brewed. <laughs> it's so. It- if somebody put this in front of me, I would have not have uh, have said, "Oh yeah, this is this is a saison," um, because just because of that color, I'm used to kind of sure. that, that light pilsnery kind of colored saison. This is um, not that. <laughs> it's a it's a really really pretty kind of um, golden copper kind of I guess more copper. Um, really pretty beer. Um, Definitely heavy on those 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 saison esters though, which uh, sure, which is your favorite, right? Um, I, I, but, <laughs> but I look at this and 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 on the surface, if somebody even if somebody came to me in you know two hours and asked me, oh, do you like those you know you know estery kind of Belgian saison flavor? I'm like, no, I don't really like those. 
I'm enjoying this though, so maybe maybe I do, and I just you know in my head there's still something that makes me think that I don't. But um, this is good. It's it's one of those. It, it definitely fits with uh, again that cold weather drinking. Absolutely. Um, but it's uh, th- there's something about that kind of um, fruity um, estery kind of thing that uh, that that works outside of that that that, uh, uh, that standard window of cold weather drinking beers too. I Absolutely, and it it has less of that <coughs> that peppery note that you would come to expect in a you know one of those lighter saisons. I feel like this would be really good um, with dinner, kind of sitting at the table, kind of something that would pair with a, a whole bunch of food. Thanksgiving, something like that. This would be a, a great beer to pair with Thanksgiving dinner. Absolutely. Uh, we need to order a turkey right now if we can. <laughs> Perhaps just a leg each. <laughs> just a big giant turkey leg. <laughs> you can hold it in your free hand with, I f- and, I and then you have your beer hand. I actually feel like big giant turkey legs would pair really well with this place. <laughs> if there is a, uh, a turkey leg food truck that exists, uh, I know where you need to stop. <laughs> is that a thing? Uh, I don't know, but we should find one. Yeah, this is really good. The um, the yeast definitely kind of um, it definitely dominates that 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 uh, that the malt side of things more than I want it to, but not in a not in a bad way at all. Like it's it's if anything, it actually makes me drink it faster than uh, than I would otherwise. It's a it's a good kind of nice drinking beer. <laughs> um, what's ABV on this one? ABV on this one is uh, I'm I'm looking folks at the because I can't I don't commit these to memory seven point two percent so again one of the seven yeah. percent well, one beers. of those one of those kind of sessionable ones yeah <laughs> late fall definitely winter beer <coughs> sorry I'm getting over a uh, a horrible cold that has now just progressed into a cough that will not go away. Um, hopefully, I'll get all those edited out before the, uh, the show goes live. But who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of gnarly story of my life. <laughs> um, there was a show. Oh God, it's been it's been a long time. We the first time we uh, sat down with uh, Christian Moreline, where we were down at the Logger House, mm-hmm. and this was before I kind of took over the uh, the hosting duties of the show. So I was kind of in the background anyway. So it worked, but um, I was in the middle of the flu. It was the <laughs> the whole show is still a blur to me at this point. I can't remember anything we talked about, anything we did. Uh, my poor wife um, drove me down to the logger house, helped me get everything set up, and then I just kind of sat there in a haze the whole time, just hitting the sound effects and running the board. <laughs> You needed more craft beer to help um, boost your immunity system. There's, there's always plenty of uh, craft beer running through my house. You know, I, I never, we're going way off topic here, but um, I never used to get sick at all until I had a kid. And having a kid just destroyed my my ability to uh, live a healthy life. <laughs> they, uh, these little germ balls that just bring everything into your house. And I catch every single thing. She... There'll be times where she doesn't get sick, but I know she's still just bringing some kind of germs and giving them to me. <laughs> well, uh, since we're I off topic, her. I understand. Um, <laughs> my wife and I have six children. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So, Paul, Paul my oldest son, <laughs> right. and I own the brewery together. But, uh, yeah, we've got... Uh, six of them. We've got six of those guys. Wow. What, are the, what is the, uh, the age range? So, Paul will be uh, 28. Uh, my Our daughter, oldest daughter, will be, well, she is 25. And then we have uh, 
our other son. He's 23. And then the double whammy. <laughs> the, the twins are 19. And then we have a 16-year-old. And um, as I get older, um, I realize I... I hate teenagers. <laughs> well, they got a lot of words that don't make sense. <laughs> you're, you're on at least the back half of all of that, but I imagine um, there's a lot of ages that are pretty close there together for you guys too. That was probably a little rough it, couple of years. It was, but our immunity system is very good. And I will say this about the kids, uh, where, where they could help in the brewery, the whole family helped. Well, they're good ages and, for that now, and, too. Absolutely. <laughs> there, there was plenty of sanding and, and mopping and painting to do in here. Um, I, I've talked about this a little bit on the show before, but one of the things that gets me really excited about what's happening in beer now is that you've, you've got families coming into this like that. And, you know, kids who are growing up with parents that started a brewery or kids that started a brewery or, you know, and, and as kids grow up and, and move into their quote-unquote real life, um, more and more and more you're going to see people that this is the family business or um, it, it, more normal than it was when, when, when I was growing up. You know, if somebody said, oh, yeah, I'm going to start a brewery, it's like, oh, that's weird, but cool, you know, <laughs> like, whereas now it becomes more and more normal and uh, it's exciting to see generationally how that's going to change the uh, the landscape of, of beer in Cincinnati. And, Absolutely. Um, it's it's cool. Are you ready to for another beer? Absolutely. Number three. Get number three over there. Yes, this is a little more golden. Yes. Um, it's Belgian triple. All right, here we go. So another another winter beer. Belgian triples can be uh, any time of year. <laughs> Absolutely, I think you'll like this one. This is a this is a good any time of year beer. Very simple. Um, Oh yeah, I like that one. I enjoy that one more than I do the saison, just because of um, that yeast is a little more subdued. Kind of subdued yes, kind of absolutely. More that that quote unquote the the beer comes out more, and a little more uh, a little more booziness comes out in the middle there. And uh, oh, that's all right. <laughs> backs it right up. I and, think it was eighteen uh, degrees this morning, right? That's right. Well, you a, deserve this. <laughs> uh, there's something about the a booziness, especially in a beer like this, that can come out almost more as like a sweetness instead of that, that bite that you kind of expect from some other styles. And, um, it works really well with this one and, uh, it's good. It's tasty. It is. It is. It's a very simple one. Um, you know, we, we, uh, <clears throat> I'll be honest with you. Uh, beef, I've never brewed a Belgian triple until we started humble monk. <laughs> That's funny. And, uh, you know, I kind of lent myself to Saison's doubles, um, grisettes, which is kind of a lost, uh, a lost Belgian style beer, kind right. of a lower ABV. Um, if it were a German beer, it'd be called a Kinder beer, right. the Grisette. But uh, we're we're uh, <coughs> that's one thing we would like to get on the uh, in the tap room at least uh, here. Um, early spring. I'd be curious to see what you do with it and how you kind of because uh, I've I've had a few and I've had very different interpretations of what that means, you know? Yeah. It's there's, almost a lost style. Well, there, there's some that I get that are, um, uh, really, uh, lean into the, the Belgian kind of estuary kind of side of things. There's some that there's a whole bunch of other adjuncts that are thrown in there and turn into some other thing. Don't say and adjuncts. Then, <laughs> and then there's, <laughs> there's some, I think, uh, 
uh, Rheingeist has one that is part of their their sour series that mm-hmm. I don't know if they've bottled it or anything like that, but it's a uh, really really light and really easy drinking, and they call it a grisette. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what the, I don't know what it means. <laughs> you know, the style is one of those ones now that has so many things in my head that I don't really know where. So it'd be fun to see where you guys kind of yeah. Like my it. my understanding is it was more of a you know like I said a, a, a like a Kinder beer or an easy drinking right you know like, like a table beer kind a, of thing yeah. Yeah, um, that uh, you know would be used for hands on the farm, right? Um, um, a lighter, a farmhouse light, if you will. Um, but we're we're um, we're still researching it, and um, I feel a little bit of pressure when I've never brewed one before. So <laughs> we we always want to try to do the best we can with it, right? Well, I think you guys have a. Uh Based on the other things that you guys have 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 brewed and the things that I've tried, you've got a good base of kind of some ideas of where you could go and where you could kind of spin off of some things. And uh, be fun to, like I said, fun to see where you go with it. Absolutely. Let's stay uh, tuned. Let's talk about uh, kind of the future of how you guys um, where you go from here. So um, you mentioned moving into ten barrel batches. Absolutely. Um, That's obviously a big kind of shift for you guys. Uh, one of the questions I always like to ask people, especially early on like this, um, is how how big is too big for for what you want this to be? Um, <coughs> the question has um, changed a little bit, and then as as craft beer has changed around Cincinnati, but um, at what point at, at what point is is too big for um, for what you want Humble Monk to to look like? Well, <clears throat> or too small. Obviously, uh, two barrel batches is probably um. is a lot of work because <laughs> we're always at it. Um, too big. Um, you know, we always want to be successful, right? But we always want to have good beer, and um, I kind of see with other breweries, and not necessarily in Cincinnati, but other breweries throughout the United States, as they scale up and as they get successful, they seem to lose touch with flavor and quality. Um, it's more mass produced. Uh, so it, it's gotta be a good balance between good quality craft beer, um, versus, you know, good quality volume kicked out the door. Uh, we aren't in any hurry to be big. Um, do we want to be successful? Yes, absolutely. But, uh, what's, what's your measure for success? Uh, being able to sell our beers. <laughs> well, but, but, uh, no, but I mean, no, but but I mean if your measure for success, is, yeah, yeah. you can sell your beers now. You've you've got you've got your beers. People are enjoying them. Um, but what is that? What is that? There's got to be some kind of measure in your head, and it's not necessarily a, a monetary thing. But you it, know, it, what is that? Not necessarily a monetary thing, but we need to keep this kind of flavor. You know, even in a ten barrels, you know, it it has to be there. It has to be there for our customers. Um, that people come in, they expect a Belgian style beer. It better be there, right? Or, or, you know, or something. You know, you might have to fire the head brewmaster. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but no, in serious, I, you know, it, the quality has to remain as we scale up. I mean, that that has to be there. What are what are some of your fears as you guys do keep scaling up and you keep uh, kind of growing? What this is what. What are some of the fears with, with, with moving um, bigger or different or um, just growing 
in a market like Cincinnati? Um, because we've started out so small, um, really losing the personal touch with our market. Um, we, we're going to strive to keep that as best we can. Um, you know, it's local beer, it's craft beer. Um, you know, because we started out in the tap room, because our beer is only here in the tap room right now, um, we have a personal connection with a lot of the customers that come in. And even though we won't know everyone that buys our beer, um, I want them to recognize that we're a family business and we want to provide a quality product to them, whether they take that home to their family. Does this sound like a commercial? No. no it, but, I, but, you know, it, it just, you know, it has, the that, quality has to remain. The idea, I mean, of that, the, the idea of that terrifies me. If, if I was creating something that um, something that's a consumable product like beer, the idea of somebody taking that product and leaving here with it, or me sending the product somewhere and somebody buying it there, and then that being out of like my uh, my eyesight and being like, well, what's happening with it now? Like, exactly. You know, and then that experience of it, and and maybe somebody stored something badly, and maybe somebody you know, there's there's so many factors that then go into it that can affect that end result of how somebody enjoys the product. That's terrifying. Absolutely. I I can't. I I could never, never run a business like this just because of that lack of control, I guess. Well, it it, um, just keep making good quality beer and you'll have, you know, you'll have less of that anxiety, I guess. Um, (laughs) I don't think I would. (laughs) You know, uh, my oldest daughter, who uh, was an intern at Alltech Lexington Brewery, Tom Banch Distillery, she Mm -hmm. ran pretty much social media. So we got to see a lot of that because she was kind of on the front line line of comments about beer and how she had to respond to those um it was kind of neat because as we were you know getting this concept going um and she was kind of excited about us uh you know doing this right. she isn't involved with the business she's she's gone on to bigger and better things but um uh she got that she got that flavor too of you know the forefront of some of the problems that uh all tech now called Lexington Brewery and folks if you don't know who they are they're the folks that came up with the concept of Kentucky Bourbon Ale um, uh, which really pioneered a lot of the uh, the, the idea of barrel aging on a big scale I don't want to say they created barrel aging because they didn't but no. um, they uh, they took it to a new level that's for sure <laughs> a, a fun fact about that uh the, the the brainchild of the kentucky bourbon ale was a cincinnati guy was it yeah mark phipps who was their head brewmaster um he was also the last brewmaster at chainling i did not know that yep so that's and, pretty cool and i met him on a beer tour <laughs> which led to my daughter getting an internship <laughs> see beer works wonders absolutely <laughs> um, speaking of let's let's uh, get to another beer all here. right uh, we are going to number four? number four yes um, this was a happy mistake some of the uh, the best beers are tell me about this one before I Happy mistake. Um, being the, the bootstrappers that we are, we, we purchased a used mill. And... Um, oh, I like that. Yeah. So that was supposed to be a Belgian quad. So the mill we purchased was a... Um, technically, a, it was a Chinese mill that we bought from a, a, a craft brewery in Texas. They shipped it up and, um, you know... 
in the used equipment style, we had to dial it in. And of course, we we were we were uh, I, I milled the specialty grains of this beer, um, and uh, um, everything. The crush looked good. We were using the sieves. You know, it was one of the first batches I did, and I said, okay. Uh, the crush is great. It's going to do well in the mash tun. Throw the brewer's grain in. And we got whole, and, until I didn't notice it, but we got whole kernels of malt uh-huh. in the mash tun. So, obviously, we weren't going to get the alcohol we wanted because this was supposed to be, a bit, like I said, a Belgian quad. Again, a 7% beer. Um, I, I can think seven's our lucky number. <laughs> uh, uh, it's our Belgian amber um, it has, it has, you there's know, like a, there's like a nice, like a, like a bitter something or other going on in there. Oh that yeah. I really, really enjoy. Yep. Um, what, what does that do when you have whole grains thrown into the, the mash like that? Does it just, you, I mean, obviously you're not going to get the sugar out of it that right. you would if you uh, cracked yeah, it open. Yeah. But. Less, less efficiency. But what was the, the blessing, if you will, is that the crush of the specialty grains was good because I was checking it. And so all we did was back the brewer's grain off and kept duplicating this beer. And we've, we've actually been brewing this beer from inception of the, so of the brewery. It's, it's just a lot of specialty grain then basically. So yeah. is this, is this something that you could scale up to a bigger? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. This is, or, we, we love this beer. Um, um yeah, it's, it's called our Abbey. Um, it's number four on the tap right now, but, uh, um, yeah, I, I like this a lot. This is, um, Hey, you found another Belgian beer you like. <coughs> These are all American beers, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Belgian style. <laughs> yeah, there's um whatever that is that I'm that I'm that 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 bitterness in the background, man. It's uh it's good. It backs up that uh that that, the that maltiness. Big, the big multi yeah. body to this. Um but not in like a like a hoppy bitter way. It's like a there's something, man. It's that's that's good. I like that one a lot. Yep, that's um, one of my favorites too. See, I everybody, you know, I, I keep saying that I don't like Belgian beers, and uh, I think uh, I think I'm full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're trying to change your mind that's right now. That's what I'm learning. <laughs> uh, consider my mind changed. Uh, I I I don't know, and, and I think that's probably part of the problem with uh, with beer right now. Let's let's drink another one before we get into that. That's a okay. Big kind of topic here. Uh, number five. Okay, number five. Uh, <coughs> this one looks more like a uh, like a saison that I'm familiar with. I got yelled at my daughter for naming this beer. It's called Haze Goggles. <laughs> I okay. like the, I like the name. Yeah, I, I do too. <laughs> um, you know, um, don't confuse it with beer goggles. But if you have a few of these, you will have your beer goggles on. You're gonna get a melon note, oh, yeah. um, grapefruit finish. It's an it's a. Uh, a Watching him drink it. Oh, yeah, it's a it's a that's England, an IPA. Yep, it's a New England IPA. Um, it does have lactose in it, so you're going to get some honey notes on the finish. Um, all done with mosaic hops. Yeah, it's got that uh, that good uh, um, uh, mosaic fruit to me. Um, comes off as like a like a funky fruit, if that makes sense. It's mm-hmm. like a, it's not. It's not the big kind of citrus notes that you expect from citra or something like that. It's right. it's more of like that uh, tropical kind of um, fruity notes, and this nails it. It's uh, like a like a tiki drink. You know? Absolutely, I get uh, non IPA drinkers coming in, and um, we'll we'll uh, coach them into trying just a you know a test drive of it. 
and the next thing you know, they're ordering it. And um, yeah, I enjoy this. It's um, it's not as big uh, because you get that. You know, we put lactose in it to give it a, more of a creamy palate feel, and um, uh, it's more approachable by a, a larger group of folks. Right. Um, not that not that we want to appeal to the masses, but. This is a wonderful New England, and again, this was a happy mistake. Again, much like much like <laughs> much like a seltzer, though you know, you're going to get a group of people to come in here, and there's that drinker that doesn't want a Belgian beer; they want an IPA, they want their their whatever that is. Um, this kind of fills that void a little bit, but kind of still stays true to kind of who you guys are, um, which is a whole other interesting topic before before we dive into to kind of what's going on with beer right now, but. Um, which I'll probably lose my train of thought on that one and we'll forget about it. But <laughs> <coughs> kind of uh, talk about how you guys manage that, uh, that balance of who you are as, as a brewer and how you kind of do meet up with some of what people want when they walk into a tap room, be it a, a seltzer or an IPA or what that is. Well, we, <clears throat> we, we have to listen to the market to a certain degree. Otherwise we won't be here. Um, but at the same time, we want to provide, you know, like we said earlier, a, a high quality beer. And I think most of the breweries in Cincinnati are, you know, are striving for the same. Um, uh, you know, ours are, you know, you asked about signature beers. We are always going to be Belgian forward, um, but we're not going to ignore the other styles. You know, we want to pursue those and, and provide a, you know, a a good quality. You know, New England, a good quality IPA. Um, still pursuing that because I'm I'm not a hop guy. Um, <laughs> but will you always keep a quote unquote hoppy beer on tap? Absolutely, just to, to, to fill that void. Absolutely, you know, it's it's about thirty percent of the market. You know, we we can't ignore that. Um, you know, uh, do I drink hoppy beers? Absolutely, you, you, you could. Yeah, you guys, you you uh, especially where you are right here. You know, we're feet away from urban artifact who is notorious for kind of giving the middle finger to what (laughs) what trends say you should have on tap and kind of doing their own thing you know you if if anybody is going to say you know what we're not gonna have an ipa it's just big over the top belgian that's that's all i want to do that's all i'm doing you could get away with that to a certain degree and and although you know we like the satisfaction of a customer walking in and being able to find something they like. Um, not to say my my great neighbors next door, they I mean, they, they hit it out of the park. Well, and they do have guest taps and stuff. And I've seen a lot of PBRs drank inside that building, for the record. <gasps> PBRs, but, oh my God. <laughs> I don't think that's, that's definitely not there. So they always keep uh, some kind of standard beer for people who come in and don't like sour beer. It is not PBR anymore. It's uh, that Narragansett lager <laughs> right now. Which... Uh, uh, complete confession here. Uh, my first beer ever was Pep's Blue Ribbon. I don't have any problem with I don't have any problem with any beer, but it man it drives when I and I've <laughs> I've told them this it drives me crazy to be in a craft brewery in a tap room and see somebody with a PBR in their hand I feel like that's just 
there was not a conversation that happened. You didn't try to get them to drink craft beer. That's right. And I, you know, for in a lot of ways, I feel that same way about seltzer. I feel like if somebody comes in and they want to drink seltzer, yeah, don't, don't look at it too if closely. You, if you, if you, <laughs> for the right, well, I have a couple that I'm finished. That one is the one I have not drank yet all the way because it's seltzer and it bothers me somehow. Like it's it's almost like uh, we're we're. We're giving in, you know. It's a craft seltzer, though. <laughs> it's craft. It has malt in it. <laughs> um, but so we'll, we'll use that to kind of springboard back to the topic I was going to get to before that I had to write down and make sure I didn't forget it. Um, there's something about, uh, and and I kind of go to a weird extreme with this, but when when I walk into a tap room um, and I look at a, a tap list. Especially if I'm just going to have, you know, a pint or two. If I'm drinking a flight, it's a whole different story. Or if I'm going to be there for a long time, it's a whole different story. But if I know I'm just going to have a couple beers, there are things that I will not order because I look at it and I say, oh, I don't really love that style. Be it a Saison or whatever it is. Sure. Or a seltzer. Or, you know, yeah. whatever it is. Um, and I feel like we're getting to a point with craft beer where we're seeing more and more of that, too. People thinking they they only like a certain style or they don't like a certain style or um, just letting these pre- preconceived notions drive how they order their beer. And I'm curious... Um, I'm just I'm curious your thoughts on that. Do you think that we're, we're getting to this point in craft beer where people are not necessarily trying things as much as they are just going to their... They're they're normal. Well, we all are creatures of habits. <coughs> Having said that, um, in fact, I wrote this in my business plan. Craft beer drinkers are like jelly bean eaters. They all like different flavors. And I can tell when a jelly bean eater comes in because he'll go, uh, or she, I'll take the New England. I'll take the triple. Let's do a flight. <laughs> and then I go, okay. You look, and Or I'll ask, you know, if I'm pouring beer, because I do pour beer here, I go, what kind of beer do you like? I like all kinds of beer. I go, oh, you're my customer. <laughs> um, to answer your question, no. I, I think See, we, uh, have the, we have our that go-tos. Would, that would be my answer, too. If I walked in, and before I ordered beer, if, if the, the person behind the bar said, what, what kind of beer do you like, as I was surveying the list trying to figure out what to order. So I, I really kind of like everything. That would be how I would answer it. That's not really true, because if I walked in, say, say there's two taps. You have a Saison and you have a Pilsner. I'm ordering the Pilsner nine times out of ten. I'm going to try to talk you into the Saison. But, well, like, <laughs> it, it, but, but you should. But there's a lot of people that, that wouldn't. I, be it because I... Nope, that's, I, I just want the Pilsner. I, that's, that's what I want. And then just to prevent an argument or whatever, they're just going to give me my Pilsner and go. But like, I want more of those conversations. I want that to happen. I want, Especially if you have two taps. Yeah, pour me a sample after I order my Pilsner. Absolutely. Because you've got two taps. Come on. <laughs> I, I kind of refer to that as the test drive. You know, It's like, hey, let me, let me give you a test drive of this. You might not like it. You might have that ick face. But you know, let's try to expand your horizons. <coughs> I just wonder, I wonder if we as drinkers are kind of falling into some kind of trap of not, you would think that with as craft beer growing the way it is, we would get more and more adventurous and we'd be trying more things. And I, I, for some reason, I just feel like we're kind of starting to drift the other way. When, when you're a craft brewery with the seltzer on tap, maybe not a craft seltzer, maybe something, you know, not specifically you guys, but I'm saying 
if somebody walks in and it's a it's a it's a tap list where you have maybe you've got a uh, a light Berliner with some fruit in it. You've got a Pilsner. You've I'll got, take that Berliner with a little fruit in it. And somebody comes in and they order a seltzer. Like I want that conversation to still exist. Of why why is that what you're ordering? And to kind of push people to something else, you know, or or maybe you don't have the seltzer on tap and they ask for it. Let that be a conversation to why 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 is that what you're ordering? What what do you like? What do you not like? And let's 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 have things happen here that that conversation happens here all the time um because we're still exploring who we are um we're new we're young uh uh you know i looking kind of back on it you know belgian style beers are the first craft beers you know the the belgians that's a a really good way to put it the, the belgians pushed adjuncts um uh and i again i kind of said earlier that you know i tried to lock the spice cabinet because you know, I wanted that purest Belgian style beer. Not to say we won't open the spice cabinet for, you know, a beer. Right. Um, but having said that, you know, uh, getting back to your original question, we like to push that here. You know, what 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 do you like? Okay, I like them all. Um, you know, I drink all styles, um, and you know, we like to offer folks, you know an opportunity to try something out of their comfort zone. And um, my wife, who pours a lot of beer here, uh, she's very good at it. (laughs) (laughs) And um, she'll talk folks into, you know, getting out of their comfort zone, getting out of that box. There's there's like a curiosity to me. Like, I, I want... I want my beer spot that I that I go to to be the kind of place where I walk in and I maybe I order a flight, maybe I order just a beer, whatever it is. I want that person behind the bar to take the one beer that was the bottom of my list and convince me to try it and talk about it with me and then maybe start a conversation with a couple people around me that might be drinking that beer and you know, why don't you like this? And I want that I want to be challenged constantly about things and I don't feel like we're challenging each other a lot. Well, and and one of the things, one of my pet peeves, I walk into a brewery, and, and you know, as they get more successful, we get employees involved, and that translation is lost. But to, to talk about craft beer, you know, to talk about the, fr- the flavor profiles, to talk about the hops, and be able to convey that to the customer, um, especially, you know, folks that like to drink different styles of craft beer, that's going to give them more information right. to make choices and maybe get out of their comfort zone. Hey, hop out of the box. Don't drink a don't drink a IPA all the time. Yeah. Try our try our Pater beer. But th- but there are times where you will form an opinion on things that you'll later find out is wrong. Right. You know, like you you, may, you don't like Belgian beer. That doesn't necessarily mean you don't like Belgian beer. In, in my case, or uh, Simcoe hops. Simcoe hops, like sometimes I hate them. I hate them. I, I can't stand that flavor. But then there is something that other times can be done with them and i don't i don't know what it is in my head i don't, I don't know what that science is that makes them sometimes it tastes amazing absolutely <laughs> like I, you know I, I i don't know what that is but if i walk into a brewery and i see that there's a, a simcoe ipa i'm not going to order it i'm going to pass it up for something else and i want to be challenged sometimes and be almost forced to order it if that well, makes any sense and i don't know if i'm normal or i'm weird or what no nope. no nope. yeah, i think that's I just human want to always nature. be challenged and uh uh you know as 
a craft beer connoisseur, you should be challenged. Um, the normal customer should be challenged. How do we how do we challenge ourselves? Like, what is the uh, what can we do? Uh, let's let's drink another beer before we get into that. Sure. Number six. I got to look on the board. That's all right. <laughs> I should have taken a picture of the board so that I oh could have had a cheat sheet. In front <laughs> of me. Uh, this is a little me marketing. Uh, this is our, um, I refer to it, uh, the name is Nodding Blossom. Um, it's an Imperial IPA. Um, it's a homebrew recipe. Nodding Blossom. Nodding Blossom. The nodding part comes if you drink too many. That's a good IPA. A little balanced. Yeah, it's got that, you know... Imperial IPA means a lot of different things these days. Sure. <coughs> and this is that good kind of uh, older school Imperial yes. IPA. It's well, I'm kind big. of big. It's got the it's got the the body behind it. It's not all just tons and tons of hops over the top, and then uh, no no balance to it. This is this is balance, but big. <laughs> <laughs> What's ABV? Uh, we are at. Uh, Sorry, I have to look at the uh, board again. Um, good. Good news is there's a customer in the way. I can't see it. <laughs> I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say it's 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 getting up there towards t- towards nine. Maybe? Just south. I think it's eight eight point seven five. Look how good I am. Yeah. Well, you've been at <laughs> you it might a be, while. You might be making that up too. <laughs> it's it's good. It's it's a big. Uh, um, I don't know if I can say a big ballsy beer anymore. I don't know if that's uh, socially right or wrong, but this is good. This is a. A, a gutsy beer. This is kind of no gutsy makes it feel like it's a it's like risky. Uh, this is like a it's a it's a big kind of um, it's got chutzpah. There you <laughs> go. Got, I like it's that. Got, it's got something behind it that uh, it's um it's it, it's big and bold and um, it's not a Belgium. It's it's definitely a good American IPA. That's right, <laughs> good and, American double IPA, and, and it came from the garage. Um, it's good. I like it. Um, also, trivia: another one of those styles that I just I don't really kind of lean towards at all anymore. Is the kind of those those big kind of IPAs and stuff? I feel like it's been done so many times. It has, but, but it it's got to be there. It, it's it just, does it, and and this we love this formula. It's 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 tried and true. Um, you know, we'll explore other things, but again, kind of getting back to that little two barrel system, uh, it allows us to take risks that you couldn't take on a 10 barrel or a 30 barrel. What hops do you guys use on this one? Oh, I, I, I sincerely apologize. I can't remember. (laughs) They're, they're definitely big kind of American kind of, there are, there is some Simcoe in there. (laughs) I don't, I don't get the Simcoe, so it's not bad Simcoe. (laughs) There is mosaic in there. I do remember that. Um, yeah, I'm not that good that I can pick out hops, but um, uh, there is citra in there. It's. I mean, it's. It, I'm, it, I'm almost there. I almost got the whole uh, hop schedule that, in there. It, it, it's good. The, it's not super danky, but it's uh, it's it's bitter, citrus, fruity. Um, Floral, yeah. has some floral notes like to a, it. Like if you if you, um, the floral side of it to me is like a, uh, 
floral is hard for me on a on, on like a big kind of double IPA because um, the it's like flowers with biceps or something <laughs> that makes any sense like it's uh, i like that <laughs> it's uh if they're yeah yeah florals florals definitely the right word but it doesn't really uh, kind of um convey what this is <laughs> it, it's a good beer i like it oh thank you um uh, again i like the balance i like i like body behind everything else that's happening in this one this one hits that um let's hit this last one before we run out of time here I run out of time like the internet's going to kick us off but. okay well um, you're talking about uh, a different style uh, oh yeah this was on nitro I think the nitro evaporated but you know here we are talking but um. <coughs> we took a normal porter this one smells a little bit like maple syrup um, yeah you're going to get that um, uh, this is our pancake porter uh, you, you know if you have a if you have a slice of bacon in your wallet you might want to get that out right now. Um, it will have some finishing. It's a little late in the day that my slice of bacon never lasts all day. It oh. goes there. Uh, well, that's that's how I got my wife to marry me. I hung bacon <laughs> around my neck. <laughs> I, I think that's how my wife got me to marry her. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Everything goes good with bacon. Uh, the, there are some subtle butter notes on the finish. Um, it is our pancake porter. Yeah, that's good. Good winter beer. Um, it's not, uh, so you said this was on nitro. It was. <clears throat> so it doesn't have that, um, that bite to it that a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of big stouts and things like that have. It, it's really creamy, really smooth, really, um, probably dangerously easy drinking. It is. Um, you definitely get that, that maple really, uh, really, really fast and, and off the, the top of it. But then, um, afterwards it kind of mellows out a little bit. You start to pick out, you know, some of those, those buttery kind of bready kind of flavors that kind right. of come through. And then, um, you know, just a, just a slight roast note from the porter at the end. Um, I, uh, this was almost a parody beer for me. <laughs> well, there's a lot of big, uh, a lot of big pastry stouts and things like that that are happening right now. This is not. This is not that. This is definitely still again kind of it fits in with everything else that's happening here. It doesn't stand out. Really, like, oh, this is just a, a cheesy pastry stout to to exist to exist. Um, this this still kind of fits the theme of, of who you guys are. Oh, thank still you. Kinda, I didn't um, go over the top then. No, but that, that's but again, it goes back to that. Like, I don't, you know, that's a, that's a hard kind of line to tread. Sometimes it of, is of not it going is. over the top because obviously people like over the top and people like kind of that in your face thing. But well, we didn't we didn't dump any frosted flakes in the secondary <laughs> yet <laughs> yet. <laughs> That day I walk in here and you guys are standing on a ladder with a big giant tub of like Lucky Charms or something dumping it in. I will call you out. <laughs> uh, what, what if we give you the 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 the, uh, the prize in the bottom of the cereal box? <laughs> oh, they don't put prizes on them anymore. <sighs> I'm, a, I'm aging myself, folks. <laughs> there's, there's definitely no prizes on them anymore. The only thing that still gives you prizes is Cracker Jack. Um, Hey, that's think. an idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, so um, when uh, Braxton first did 1957, their English Mild, which tastes surprisingly like Cracker Jack when you 
eat it with Cracker Jack. That was kind of how they presented it. They they did it for the beginning of the uh, the baseball season and served it with a box of Cracker Jack. Nice. Um, so well, you got it. You, they the, did get a prize, but I, I will say this about Braxton Brewing: they are the masters of marketing. <laughs> they're, they're the ma- they they make really really damn good beer too. Yes, they do. Um, yes, they, they do. Uh, they are definitely towards the top of my list of places that uh, just have just insane skill um, on that on that brew deck. So, yes, uh, they do. Yes, they do. Don't uh, don't forget about Braxton Labs. That's that's one of my favorite. Oh my god! So tomorrow they're doing their their tiki <laughs> beer that I'm just dying to yep. get my hands on. Um, because I don't think it's a uh, tiki milkshake IPA. I think it's just a tiki Berliner. Like it's uh, there. You go. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about that. What gets you excited right now? What's what's happening around you? Not here, but in the other places around that uh, kind of get you excited about Cincinnati beer. Um, I'd like to get out, <coughs> and um, since I've had my head down in here for about two years, I'd like to get out and see some of the new breweries. <laughs> right. I mean, honestly, I I I, uh, I hear that story from. Every brewery, man, I just haven't been anywhere. <laughs> it, well, it, it's crazy. I mean, uh, you know, I go 12 minutes to the north. I poke my head in at Brink. Right. Great guys. Kelly's, what a great guy. Uh, again, you know, I've been doing field trips on the scale up because we are a bootstrap brewery. And so we are going to engineer and build our own brew house. Right. Um, come and see what hillbillies from Indiana and Kentucky can do, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, we're, we're, I'm heading to Wooden Cask on Friday. Uh, I will give them, uh, Randy and, and Karen, a huge, huge shout out for how they manage that whole side of things of, of getting places. They make a date night once a week to go to a brewery. Yep. And once a week they go somewhere that they haven't been or haven't been to in a long time. And they have probably been to every brewery at this point to yep. make sure they hit them all. Yeah, Randy's been in here a huge, few times. Huge credit to them. Yeah, he's a wonderful guy. Um, always willing to take my phone call, answer my my ignorant questions, if you will. <laughs> um, if it wasn't for Randy, we wouldn't be sitting here talking because uh, a little sidebar trivia note, we... we uh, we had a church festival over in um, northern Kentucky. Randy was at Rivertown at the time, and um, my wife was running around with my homebrew in, a, in the tang pitcher that the kids drank out of on Sundays. And uh, she walked up. I, I, I grabbed Randy because I saw the Hop Bomber T-shirt, which was one of my favorite beers at the time. And I said, "Hey, uh, where'd you get that T-shirt?" And he goes, uh, "You can get them at the brewery." You know, very, very humble. Uh, didn't say, hey, I'm I'm one of the owners. I'm one of the brewers. You know, blah blah blah. He said, yeah, just <laughs> and he still is that way. Yes, he is. Um, I was somewhere um, and uh, was talking to him, and somebody walked up and was talking about wooden cast beer, and he started kind of answering their questions, and then <laughs> the oh, do you do you work for them? I said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, was just, <laughs> that was just his answer, and just left it at that. <laughs> so uh, I. I uh, my wife Alicia walks up with a, a picture of my homebrew and she goes, You want some? And she's talking to me. And I go, and Of course, she pours it in a red solo cup. You know, tradi- right. you know that's the Kentucky tradition, right? Right. Well, I, so I live in Fairfield. I, I spend well, a lot of time at Jungle Gems. Yeah. That's our tradition, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she pours one and Randy kind of looks and he goes, Can I have one of those? Yeah. And uh, I, I think he had five or six that night. And um, he goes, 
can I have the recipe to this? I said, I'm to hang on to it. He says, well, you ought to open a brewery. (laughs) Randy, we opened a brewery. (laughs) It's fun seeing how all of those things kind of tie together and uh, just keep creating this sure. thing that we uh, we all get to enjoy now. It's a community. It, it's, it's uh, you know, Cincinnati has always had a rich history of, of beer. And, you know, we should be recognized more for it. We haven't been in the past. Um, you know, all the German immigrants that came here and, and tunneled into the hills. Right. Literally, um, I mean, literally. If you haven't been down in a loggering tunnel, folks, you need to go because it uh, just the work that went into well, making that. Bachfest is coming up. Absolutely. Uh, to me, that's the perfect opportunity. Um, I know that the, uh, the the brewery district does lots of tours and stuff during Bachfest, and it's so much fun to take your tour and underneath Moorline and you come up from underground and as you're walking out of these lagering tunnels you're in a modern craft brewery and you get handed a beer ticket and you can go get a big thing of Bach beer and like it's just it's the perfect representation of what beer in Cincinnati was and is and can be and Man, it's it, it'll it'll get you excited about things. That's for sure. Make, Absolutely, make, make you sad about what what we lost. But um, I did see a stat, and I talked about this on either this show or the weekly pint, which is my live stream on Mondays. If you guys don't know about that, um, uh, talking about how we finally hit that number where we finally surpassed how much beer was drank pre-prohibition. Now we're finally back to that number of how much beer we consume as a country. So, well, you know, we're back Milwaukee, St. Louis, you're not as good as we are. (laughs) (laughs) I I definitely think that that was the case then. And I definitely think it's the case now, but (laughs) I'm sure, I'm sure they would disagree. But if you are a uh, Milwaukee or a St. Louis, uh, beer podcast, feel free to, uh, to send an email or you can call. We have the, uh, the drunk line five, six, seven, 70 drink, which, uh, I don't know what those numbers are. Hang on. I'm trying to look it up really quick. Uh, 567-703-7465. You can call with all of your uh, complaints and uh, <laughs> concerns, and I will tell you why we are the best beer city in the country. Um, you can also email if you have any questions or comments, uh, cincybeercast at gmail.com. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Hey, you're more than welcome. You want to go? Uh, let's try a couple more. Uh, we can do that. Yeah, just take our headsets off. Just. just Thank you so Just much. Shove for all this stuff in the corner and go drink some beer. Absolutely. We, we, my wife brought us popcorn. I don't she, know. If, she uh, did bring popcorn. I, we, we don't want to crunch in the microphone though, but it would it would have been kind of um, it would be kind of funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> we did a um, we did a show pretty early on with uh, with Chef Tony from Brew City Sausage, and he came into the studio at the time the studio and grilled out on the patio. It was cold outside, and he's out there on the patio grilling up beer brats while we're oh making God. a show. And then the whole show, we're eating his beer brats on the microphones, and yeah, it, was, it was awesome. <laughs> he had mustard on the microphone. So we had everything. <laughs> we've we've changed the uh, the foam windscreens on the microphones since then, for the record. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, if you have not been to Humble Monk, you guys are, uh, what is the address here? 1641 uh, Rock Street. So just Caddy Corner, Kitty Corner, however you say it, wherever you're from, um, from Urban Artifact. You can find it. The, the big Humble Monk is painted right on the side of the building. Um, 
it's it's delicious and i'll post uh, links and things in the show notes so you can find it since brewcast the voice of sensecraft <laughs>